We're glad you're joining us here at Common Thread Online. This is a recording of our community gathering, as we do each week, to think together about the spiritual journey. At the end of the lesson, we open the floor for discussion. We'd love to hear what you're thinking, too. Go to our community's Facebook page, post your thoughts. Um, no pressure there to be brilliant. Just be brilliant. <laughs> so happy Sunday, everybody. and Enjoy the sun. <clears throat> Uh, today I'm going to read a psalm from the ancient text that Doug often refers to, Psalm 23 to be exact. And I'm going to extract from it Enneagram principles that I teach my groups and clients. Like most of you, I found this last year, and the fall in particular, to be taxing. Being fear-based myself, I had to work hard to give myself the gift of equilibrium. One of the ways I did that was to intentionally redirect my focus, especially at night. So on many nights, after spending the day scaring myself with the news of the day, I would intentionally redirect my focus to Psalm 23, a psalm I had memorized in childhood. <coughs> the author, David, was both a shepherd and a songwriter, and Psalm 23 is a song he wrote, drawing on his experiences as a shepherd. Here is Psalm 23. <clears throat> the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And because I teach the Enneagram, I began finding overlap, which is what I will be sharing with you this morning. The first third of the song revolves around the importance of the restoring of your soul or receiving the restoration that is always present. Then the second third speaks of times of disorientation, a nice word for death-like experiences. And the last third speaks of what disorientation can result in. A loosening, a new flexibility, seeing more than you saw before, seeing a truer true. This is the outline for this morning, so I'm going to say it again. The first third of the song revolves around the importance of the restoring of your soul, or receiving the restoration that is always present. Then the second third speaks of times of disorientation. And the last third speaks of what disorientation results in. A loosening, a new flexibility, seeing more than you saw before, seeing a truer true. So let's look at the first third, which I categorize as the importance of restoration. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. In this song, David identifies as a sheep. Does that make him a sheep? Just kidding. And he says God is his good shepherd. So, as a sheep, David describes a scene that is happy-making for a sheep, pastures and still waters. Often humans think that pastures and still waters are happy-making for humans as well, but the reality is often not. For humans, pastures are often places of high, itchy grass, bugs, stinging insects, animal droppings, mud, gnats, and mosquitoes. Places you have to haul a lot of stuff to and then haul a lot of stuff out of. But in our imagination, we sort of eliminate all those things. So what I'm going to suggest is pastures may or may not be places and times of restoration for you, the human. And the place of restoration is not as important as the need for restoration. The admonition, the admonition is arrange your life so that you experience times and places of restoration. When David has a third of his song suggesting that restoration is important, I tend to want to pay attention. I am also going to suggest that there is the possibility that if you disregard the importance of restoration, you might not be able to navigate your times of disorientation. The way of wisdom is continual restoration as evidenced by the fact that one-third of our life is spent sleeping. I watched God teach my son this principle. My son goes, 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 and he tends to disregard the wear and tear and stress on his body. His interest in trees caused him to investigate what produces a healthy tree, which led to what constitutes healthy soil. And while doing so, he had the epiphany that his body was his soil. And not only should he care about creating healthy soil, but he should also care about the well-being of his body. So he immediately changed his sleeping patterns so that he could give his soil, his body, optimal health, optimal restoration, so that whatever grew from his life would be optimally healthy, so that whatever disorientations were ahead of him, he would be able to navigate. He started going to bed at 9 o'clock to give his soil, his body, optimal restoration. Another angle to these verses, David is saying directly that the shepherd provides opportunities of restoration, implying that the shepherd is a good shepherd. We can reverse that and say, because the shepherd is good, opportunities for restoration abound. We can also say that we have to be present to see those opportunities. We can also say that if some of us have already decided that the shepherd is not so good, then we get to justify our disregard for the need for restoration. We get to justify the ignoring of our body's needs. So, the conclusion. 
be careful about being cavalier about incorporating rest, relaxation, restoration into your life. You are not a machine. You are not a superhero. You are a creature looking for God's provision in the form of restoration and cooperating with that restoration is a major component for surviving and thriving during the always coming times of disorientation. I'm going to say that again. Looking for God's provision in the form of restoration and cooperation with that restoration is a major component for surviving and thriving during the times of disorientation. Okay, second section, the season of disorientation. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with, with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Seasons of disorientation can be instances during your day, or they can last for a decade. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. In one sense, I think evil exists and should be feared, but not in the sense that evil is so strong that it can't be overcome. I find myself mulling over the sense that, yes, darkest valleys are scary. Yes, darkest valleys are often dark because you can't sense God's presence. And David is saying, maybe, that in those places where you can't sense God's presence, do not assume that not feeling God's presence means you will be consumed by evil, that there is no hope. Again, not feeling God's presence does not mean you will be consumed by evil. Darkest valleys are places of disorientation. Things are not as they were. Things aren't making sense. In the Enneagram world, dark valleys are seasons where your type is no longer working for you. Your type, your sense of reality, your sense of what is true, your sense of who you are is being challenged. And that is pretty major. For some of you, your main truth is that if you give, you will be loved. Or your main truth is that if you succeed, you will be loved. Or your main truth is that if you are special enough, you will be loved. Or your main truth is that if you withdraw, you will be safe. Or your main truth is that if you have a cohort and a plan, you will be safe. Or your main truth is that if you have options, you will be safe. Or your main truth is that you should take power that results in justice. Or your main truth is that you should take power that results in harmony. Or your main truth is that you should take power that results in what is right. Your season of disorientation of dark valleys will be those will be when those truths, those realities are no longer delivering. 
These valleys of the shadow of death are called mercy, a severe mercy. The way I describe it in my groups is that our types are trapeze bars, and we are the trapeze artists, swinging happily from our bars. And then God causes our trapeze bars to metaphorically grow broken glass. Often, we won't let go of our truths unless we have to, which is okay, by the way. It just confirms we are human. This almost forced prying of our clutching hands away from our bars of identity is for the purpose of us attaching ourselves to truer and bigger truths found in the first verse. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I do not lack esteem and affection. I no longer have to get that from outside myself. I have it within. I am loved because I exist. I do not lack safety and security. I no longer have to arrange things so that I feel safe. I am safe and secure within myself. I am no longer responsible to take power and control. I can trust a creator who will deliver justice and harmony and righteousness with or without me. Third and final section. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As I said before, the first section of the song revolves around the importance of the restoring of your soul or the receiving of the restoration that is always present. Then the second section speaks of times of disorientation, a nice word for death-like experiences. And this last section speaks of what disorientation results in, a loosening, a new flexibility, seeing more than you saw before, holding paradox, seeing a truer true. Having done a minimal bit of research, preparing a table probably was referring to preparing pasture land so that it can meet the needs of the sheep. Some elevated pasture lands are called table pastures, as in table mountain. So this verse is saying, a good shepherd will tend to the health of the pastures, knowing that healthy pastures will produce healthy sheep. A good shepherd prepares the pasture so that it can meet the needs of his sheep. We can say you, the sheep, have taken advantage of God's provision of restoration. You have weathered seasons of disorientation and death. And now here you are feeding in a raised pasture prepared by your good shepherd. There is only one problem. Your good shepherd has not killed your enemies yet. You, the sheep, are grazing in the presence of your enemies and that is giving you the hibbijibbies, and it's causing you to wonder if your shepherd is actually good. So a few things. Let's establish who the enemy is. And hint, hint, 
It's not the Republicans. The enemies are those things that keep you from identifying with your true self, your Holy Spirit self, your divine center self. This scenario implies to me your enemies are not going away, so you might as well get comfortable. Or said another way, your type is not going away, so get comfortable. So how do we get comfortable in the presence of our type, in the presence of our enemies? Well, let me give you a real-life example, which may or may not help. I am a tender soul who protects her tender soul by avoiding conflict, or at least that is the story I tell myself. A truer truth is that I'm basically a coward. And my cowardice is especially obvious when a person from the gut triad is very angry at me. And this fall, I made the mistake of telling God that I probably needed to get better at handling conflict. And predictably, it didn't take long before three gut people in my immediate family were very, very angry at me. And I quivered in my metaphoric boots. And while I was quivering, I was able to experience the verse, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What, that, what might that mean? Well, you remember, we do this practice that you call meditating and I call thought stopping. And thought stopping or meditating is the practice of toggling back and forth between our stream of consciousness, our types, and our physical bodies. And you know we do this in a non-threatening place so that when we are triggered, we can still toggle back and forth between our stream of consciousness, our type, and our physical bodies where our true selves are located. Well, this scenario for me qualified as being one of those threatening situations. My type 1 sister was very angry at me, and while she was letting me have it, I kept saying to myself, girl, feel your feet. Stay in your body. Feel your feet. Stay in your body. Feel your feet. Stay in your body. I was toggling back and forth between my type, my stream of consciousness, my fear, and my physical body, just like I practiced before. And for the first time, I was able to locate an entity inside of my physical body that wasn't scared, while at the same time, I was very aware of being scared. I was with God while being with my fear. My fear wasn't being suppressed or repressed or denied, nor was it ruling me, but instead I was with my fear and I was with my God. And he wasn't scared. Who knew? I'll say that again. I was with my fear and I was with my God and he wasn't scared. He prepared a place for me to be with him while being in the presence of my enemy, my fear. Or said another way, 
fear is allowed to stay because it drives me into the arms of Jesus where all of my needs are met. He doesn't get rid of my enemies because they drive me to a truer true into the arms of Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want because the God within is not flustered, nor angry, nor scared, nor lonely, nor sad, nor shamed, nor weak, nor helpless. This is what I'm talking about when I say there is a loosening, a new flexibility, seeing more than you saw before, seeing a truer true, being able to hold paradox. I'm scared and I'm not scared. And I'll end with these last verses. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This loosening, this new flexibility, this seeing more than you saw before will open up your eyes to be able to see God's goodness and love in your past as well as in your present. So, let's pivot towards accessing the restoration he has provided. Let's pivot towards courage while our worlds crumble. Let's pivot towards accessing the pasture he has prepared, located in the presence of our enemies who aren't going away, which is okay because God isn't going away either. Thank you. Well, if uh, you would, please prepare your tithes and offerings. Remember uh, what that's come to mean for us is we all donate online now, and if uh, you get to keep your job during this pandemic, community is a good investment. Time, energy, love, affection, what returns to us is incalculable. And while you're doing that, uh, what are you thinking? What's stirring up in your heart? Go ahead and post it there. Um, Angie then will put it here so I can see it. Uh, so we're running a little bit late, so I want to choose my question. <laughs> so if you've got, let's try two, um, the different triads. When we think about restoring our souls, do we do it differently if we're heart, gut? Tell me about that. Oh, yeah. Tell me, tell me about that. Yes. Um, <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I used, when I first started, uh, because I find God, when I find energy, that's my uh, cue that I'm going in the right direction. You know that game that we play with children, and that is, is we tell them they're either hot or cold, depending on if they're going, getting ready to find right. the prize. Yeah. Well, that's what I think God does. Thank Dean's you. He's telling us we've got to look at the camera. Thank you. Instead of at each um, other. All right, so that's what I think God does. I think he says hot, 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 cold, 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 cold. And the way he does it with the head triad, it's my theory, is that through energy. When we find energy, we're finding God. And when I ran this by someone in the heart triad, her response was, well, that's, uh, some of, sometimes that's catnip for me. And uh, I love energy, and I'll run myself ragged. And so I think the three, seven, and eights uh, run themselves ragged, and they need to search for peace. Um, I think that um, some people need to search for peace. Some people need to search for enemy I energy. 
so that's uh, that's part of the answer. It's not the whole answer, uh, but yes. Um, and a lot of the, my clients, what I'll do is I'll ask them, where do you find God? How do you know that you're headed in the right direction? Yeah. So love, joy, peace. I think for me, joy is, I mean, uh, energy is a form of joy. And uh, so anyway, those are just some random thoughts. All right. So one other, one more. So here we are. We're, um, let's talk about the glass on the trapeze. Uh, the, uh, the idea that I am a kind of a control personality, and uh, so I'm living my life according to a core belief that if I keep control, then the world will be safe, the world will be good, this will all be well. And it stops working, which it did stop working for me. And it is excruciating. It really is shredded, broken glass on a trapeze. It is just an excruciating process. How do you think we could participate with that instead of resisting it quite as much as we do? Well, um, the lovely thing is, um, again, I, what you told me 20 years ago that was life-giving was that uh, when that happens, you are smack dab in the middle of God's will. And so that was a marvelous, uh, a marvelous comfort is that that is part of the journey. And so when I know that and can uh, uh, cooperate with it, uh, then I won't be fighting it, and I won't say something is wrong, and I won't uh, say it, it's a terrible thing. So it's a marvelous thing to say uh, that this, I'm smack dab in the middle of God's will. I'm smack dab in the growing, the growth process is inevitable. And so when I stop resisting it, when I, uh, when I stop resisting it, when I stop saying there's something wrong with me or there's something wrong with God, that this is happening, there's nothing wrong with God. There's nothing wrong with the universe. There's nothing wrong with me. It is marvelous. It's a gift. It's a mercy. Uh, so, uh, again, part of this is letting go. So let go. So, okay, I tried this. I, I was wired to try this. I have to do this. Uh, now, let me let it go. And so, for all of us, all nine types, the letting go means that I am willing to walk towards my fear. So, for instance, the gut triad. The fear is often one of vulnerability. And so the rest of us fear vulnerability, but not the way you guys do it. And so whenever anybody is weak in front of the gut people, they often have a tendency to be angry at the weakness. And that's because they have rejected the weakness within themselves. And so if that is the case, then it would be a situation where you sit with your weakness and you endure the discomfort and you endure the uh, that, that, that your type says, if you do that, you will die. And you do it anyway, and then you find out that you don't die. And that's what you do either incrementally or all at once, and you have no choice over that part. <coughs> I mean, anyway. Okay, I hope I'm not rambling. There's a part of me who's wondering if I'm rambling. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the, it really has been the case that it's felt inside of me. If I do vulnerable, I will die. Yeah. If I do weakness, I will die. This, the wheels will fall off the bus. The shit will hit the fan. All will go to hell in a handbasket. And so I don't because I'm a good guy. And I yes. do good guy things. Yes. And, uh, all right, my friends, we went over a little long. I would like to keep discussing with Robin Moore. Uh, participate in one of the things that she does. Uh, if you would, put your hand on your heart. Let's remember as we go that we are all carriers of the indwelling divine. And then extend your other hand to the people that we live and work, go to school with. And let's look as we go this week to share what's in us with those people looking for opportunities to repair and heal the world. Amen. God bless you. We're dismissed. See you next week. If these recordings help you move forward on your spiritual journey, 
We hope you'll take an ownership stake in the community and support the health and well-being of the community. You can go to our website, commonthreadchurch.org. The donate button is at the top of the page for your computer's browser, at the bottom of the page for your phones. 